in the last three years, I've, I've really found that like one of the easiest things to do, and I tell this people all the time, people that, you know, have come to me and ask questions or ask help, you know, just industry questions in general. It's, it's just, it's engagement. It's like how fast you are to, to answer your questions, guests, your guest questions, and then how, how you come across on the platform. Welcome to the Michigan Short-Term Rentals Podcast, the show about buying, optimizing, and managing short-term rentals in the state of Michigan. Get insights and recommendations from vacation rental operators to help take your property to the next level. Are you ready to profit from your short-term rental? Let's get started. Welcome to the Michigan Short-Term Rentals Podcast. My name is Tony Stancato here with my co-host Jordan Painter. And today we have a special guest, Brandon Bodwin. Brandon, thanks for joining the podcast. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. Appreciate uh, the opportunity to be here with you. Absolutely. So we connected in the Michigan Vacation Rentals Facebook group in that it looks like you have quite a few properties. So would you want to just kind of give us a background on yourself and you know your portfolio, where they're located, that kind of stuff, and how you got started into the business? Yeah, sounds good. So yeah, originally a, a Michigan native, born and raised in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan. I believe that's 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 part of the reason I, I landed on this podcast is that I knew how to pronounce the word Sioux. So, you know, I, I tell people where I'm from and either show them the the, the, the Michigan mitten on my hands or uh, a lot of people are familiar with I-75. So just tell them it's the very last stop on I-75 on the north end. So, Oh, nice. Yeah. So... I was there till I was about 18 years old. Then after I graduated high school, I ended up leaving there and heading off into the Navy. Did that for 13 years, kind of bounced around, um, you know, both sides of the States, you know, four or five deployments around the world, shipboard, some, some land-based deployments as well. I punched out of there in 2013. At that point, I already had several long-term rentals. We bought and purchased our first house right before I met my wife and started dating her. I purchased a three-bedroom, two-bath townhouse in, in Odenton, Maryland. And, uh, you know, within a few months of that, I realized I didn't, you know, need to have the, the, the two bedrooms sit unoccupied. So I, I started house hacking those two rooms there. And then when I, I did eventually marry my wife, she moved out to the East Coast to be with me. And uh, we had a house built in, in Northern northern Virginia. And at that point, I just kept, you know, I kept the, the, the Odenton townhouse as a, as a long-term rental the two tenants I had in there got along really well. Uh, they were both stationed at Fort Meade, Maryland. One was a, a civilian. The other one was actually in the Navy. And they did that for several years. Um, what year is that-ish? That was, I bought that in 2012. 2012 awesome. was about that. And then- Good timing. Yeah, it was. I mean, I, you know, if I could go back and, and buy a house as soon as I, I, I joined the military, I probably would have because, you know, I- what I love about real estate is the fact that you can buy and hold, right? There's a million different ways you can handle it, a million different ways you can approach any given scenario with it, which is what I've, I found I really enjoy about it. So dynamic, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, it's, had I known, I, I probably would have, you know, I probably would have went all in as soon as I joined the military, but the timing did work out well, you know, and I have to weather the storm from the, the 2008 crash. So your point was was still a good time to get in so rates started coming they're already pretty low at that point it worked out well so yeah so after that kept did that you, house did you still own those houses then you still no so what we did is is, is we started accumulating long-term rentals essentially houses that we'd bought and or had built and lived in 
And then, you know, life kind of took us to other places. We just kept them as long-term rentals as we moved around. And so we did that all the way up until our last house in 2020. So we had ended up having about five long-term rentals, you know, throughout, throughout well, they were just in a couple locations. I ended up buying a, a, a single family home in, in my hometown in 2013. That was the second place I bought. $48,000, four bedroom, two bath. It was a duplex at the time. I, I converted it back to a single family home because my, I, I actually bought it for my brother. And yeah, that, that, that's a separate story there. But, and I had that for a long time too. So we, we held all these properties for, you know, six, seven, eight years. And that's kind of when we made the transition into short-term rentals. So awesome. and you started Where selling them. You started selling them and then kind of just deploying that capital into short-term rentals. Yeah. Yeah. When we, we, before we came here to, to Dallas, Texas, where I'm at now, we were living in Southern California and we had a, a home built there as well. And after we relocated, we realized, you know, we, we kind of, you know, missed the beach and we had these properties that we just kind of looked at other options. And at the time I was kind of in the bigger pockets podcast, a lot of credit to, to those folks over there. I know they've gotten a lot of people started on their journey and tons of resources over there. So I was really grateful for them. But at that point I'd stumbled on, I, th- I think Avery Carl's as well. And then that, that was it. I, I tagged up with her on a phone call and then that's when we kind of got in the short-term rental space. That's Where was awesome. one that you bought the first short-term rental? The first one we got was in, it was a two bedroom, two bath condo in Miramar beach, Florida. It was a golf front condo. It was a lot of fun. I mean, we didn't hold on to it for very long, you know, cause the market was still kind of running up at that point. It was 2020. And uh, yeah, we ended up 1031 out of that pretty quickly into, uh, into the Smokies market. And that, that's, that's where we got into prior to, to coming over to, to Michigan as well. Michigan. Yeah, yeah. It's funny when Tony and I started, that was one of the first markets we looked at actually was the, the Smokies. And we, I just love traveling to Gatlinburg and Sevierville, a couple of the places you have, mm-hmm. have places we've definitely started looking. So when, when did you buy there the after 2020? Yeah, right into, so we got our condo in 2019 and then sold that. And in 2020, we bought our first cabin in, in Tennessee. And that was just a small, you know, it was a, a one bedroom with loft, like, I don't know, 1200 square feet. It was on a, a, a huge lot, like a two acre lot. The guy I bought it from is actually uh, a good friend of mine now, kind of a, a mentor, so to speak. He's been in various businesses for a long time now, but We've stayed in touch since I purchased it and, and that property just, you know, like a lot of others during this, this whole run up that, that we had over the last few years, it was just went gangbusters. So, you know, we, we leveraged that property and scaled using that. And then, and then we actually sold for additional profit last year to, to kind of branch out some more. So. Awesome. So today it looks like you have three in Tennessee and then two in Michigan. Yeah, three in Tennessee. We got a, a fourth on the way. That should, it's a new build uh, pool cabin that should be done. Looks like the end of November, early December. So, um, kind of kind of excited to get into that. I mean, it's. I think a lot of people, you know, the, the past few years, it, a lot of people would ooh and ah over pool cabins because you know they there weren't a ton of them around. You can definitely get a premium for them and all that. But I think during the winter months too, it's it's kind of nice to have an indoor heated pool. Um, but there's definitely more of them online. So that spread is not as high as it once was, but it's, I think it's still, you know, there's still a little bit of uh, equity into it. Um, and it's just kind of a nice place. Cause the other thing about short-term rentals, like when we kind of transitioned in that space, it was like, you know, once we 
we found out that we could go there and have you know personal use we like that aspect of it do a little bit of work and setting it up maintaining it checking in on things meeting you know the, the kind of boots on the ground teams and stuff like that it was it was nice to just be able to go there and just hang yeah. out i'd never been to the smoky mountains until we bought a property there so never been to southwest michigan until we bought a property there which is cra- yeah. crazy right so, I was going to say, yeah, it looks like your Michigan properties are nowhere close to where you used to live. So how did you kind of get connected into Southwest Michigan? Is it Buchanan? Are they both in Buchanan? No, we have one in Berrien Springs and one in Hopkins, which probably okay. you look on a map or you go look, you know, go, go search for Airbnbs out there. They're, they're kind of few and far between. They yeah. do have them, which is kind of how I stumbled on it. I knew obviously up and down the coast, there's a lot of rentals, you know, the, but the price points were, were, were a lot higher. And what I found is, you know, what we were looking for was kind of some, some rural aspect, right. But where there was already at least a little bit of demand. So I would go in and I would kind of scope out the area within 30, 45 minute drive of anywhere on the coast, you know, St. Joe, you know, Benton Harbor, any, any of those on the coast and, and, and driving distance from Chicago and, and see if there was at least a sprinkling of Airbnbs or VRBOs in the area. And then I'll go in and look at the review counts, right, on a given year just to see kind of what, what the demand was and maybe read a few of the reviews, see, see where people were coming from. And, and that's kind of how I sensed that there was some demand there, right? Um, yeah. And, and then when I started, like, looking into the area and all the stuff there was to do there, I was like, oh, this is, this is like a no-brainer. Yeah. And you're probably like, oh my gosh, I can get, it looks like you're not getting properties on small plots of land, but you're like, oh, hey, I can get 18 or 40 acres. It looks like for half the price I pay for properties in, you know, Gatlinburg or something, right? So it seems like you got some bigger properties on bigger pieces of land in Mm -hmm. Southwest Michigan and again, a little more inland. But again, I bet you the purchase price is you know, a little more affordable uh, than that Gatlinburg, you know, yeah. price point. Yeah. And, and and there's been some other things that I've kind of learned along the way. I mean, it, I think, you know, having rural properties presents obviously its own sets of challenges. Like the first one we got there in Bering Springs, it was, you know, there was, there was no internet, you know, our, our neighbor I knew had, they went through Comcast, I think, and had a business account and had some fiber run to their place. So I started looking at, at, at doing the same thing and and i knew i wanted internet it was just an amenity that i wanted and i i paid for it you know i ended up yeah. paying four thousand dollars for for a high-speed server and, and for a number of reasons right it's not just the amenities but obviously as a remote owner you know being able to monitor, have cameras and and not rely on cellular data and stuff like that to to do that or starlink or any of those other providers so it was like you know that there, there were other, other things that I knew I, I, I would need to do to kind of you know, make it a little more marketable. So, and then, you know, I, I didn't know anything about conservation easements. You know, we have the other property that property taxes, Michigan's got high property taxes, right. And, and uh, relative to the Smokies anyway, Smokies is, that's, it's, it's, it's very affordable in that sense. So I think it's a big reason why a lot of people like it, but yeah. So, so property taxes will kind of eat into some of the numbers there, but the second property we, we bought has a, a conservation easement on there and it really just helps cut down on that. So just kind of little things that you, you know, you don't, you don't know at, at the onset as you're going in, you're exploring markets, 
I think, you know, these big, really popular tourist destinations that people go to, there's always going to be markets there, but there's always going to be price premiums and a little bit harder to, to get into from a competitive competition standpoint. But I liked like the bigger properties, like sleep more people in the, in the more rural environment. So it was just kind of like a twist. I don't, I don't think I read anything on it. It was just kind of like a different approach to it. Right? I, I'm an engineer by day. So for, for better or worse, like I'm, I'm always trying to solve problems that may or may not be there. Uh, what, what kind of engineer? So I moved over into systems engineering, but I've been doing electrical for a while now. So okay, awesome. I'm, try, I'm trying to get out of that. Like I enjoy it. I enjoy what I do, but you know, I, I enjoy being home with my family a, a million times more. So short-term rentals is a bit more fun, right? Certainly, yeah, it is more fun. It's it's it, it's it's challenging in a number of ways, but I I enjoy it. Yeah, it's a good time, and we we branched out from there as well and got into the multifamily space as well and syndications. I think. I, you know, when I was doing, you know, other forms of investing, it was diverse, you know, diversification of risk and stuff like that, that I was always like conscious of, but kind of real estate, when I was going to kind of put all my eggs in one basket, I was literally of doing that. So we kind of branched out into a different, you know, a different space within real estate. So that's been so good. Curious from an ROI perspective, you know, the, obviously there's a pretty big difference in what you're going to pay for a property in Gatlinburg versus Bering Springs, Michigan. Where are you seeing better returns? Well, right now, actually, actually in Michigan, the, the properties we have there, the second one is, it's funny because it's when I was doing the projections for it, I partnered with my cousin who lives in Kalamazoo, her and her husband, they're, they're 45 minutes away from the property. And that was, they, they previously owned an Airbnb. They were, financially stable, just, you know, and, and we got along. So from a business and partnering standpoint, it, it made a lot of sense, but it, it was, my projections had it kind of in the same ballpark as Bering Springs, which we're probably going to gross $130,000 on it this year and for a $600,000 price point. It's kind of hard to do nowadays. So, and the, the, the Hopkins property is trending with that. So I've been really happy with it. The Smokies market, it's, it's, more challenging in the sense that there's a lot more, a lot more hands-on needed. I think you gotta be a lot more. It's not you can't set it and forget it nowadays. It's, it's a lot more competitive. I think a lot of markets have seen kind of a similar thing with with new builds that came online. Maybe a little less demand in some senses because people are traveling other locations. But and the price point is a lot higher. That's the other thing. Like yeah. Smokies, it's not a secret anymore. You know, it's like. Yeah. People know there's 12 million visitors a year. They know, you know, it's a driving destination. People are just, they're going to go there. I did so, a post on LinkedIn this morning and I was doing some research in Orlando. And I always just say that Southwest Michigan has got to be like five to 10 years behind Orlando or Gatlinburg in terms of like competition, design, amenities. Like if you really look at other hosts in the Southwest Michigan area, you'll just see a lot of dated stuff and it's just not, the competition's not there, right? And I shared a picture of just this epic Orlando property. You know, they had a cool pool table that looked like a car and it's just like, if you brought something like that or at least the design elements and the amenities to Southwest Michigan, you'll just crush it because the competition's so far behind. I mean, would you tend to agree with that? 
And again, it sounds like you're doing really well at a pretty good price point, 600, it's not bad. And again, you can't, you know, in Gallenberg, I think when we were looking, it was like six to 800 to get into the market, you know, on anything that was decent. And it was like a hundred grand projected returns. So that's where we were like, hey, let's just cut our teeth in our own backyard. But again, I just feel like the competition's quite far behind in Southwest Michigan. What do you think about that? Yeah, I agree. It's funny because I, I've tell, told this story several times now because it's content. It relates to real estate. But like the first house I bought there, you know, for my brother, that $48,000 house. And I'm in, in the, it's, I went through a local credit union for the financing and I'm in there and it's like 2012 and this is a financial institution and they have these, you know, 15 inch CRT monitors for their computers. And I'm like, you know, flat, flat screen monitors have been around for another 10 years already. And it was just like yeah. no online presence at all. It was just like, I know, and I know my hometown, like, you know, I'm proud of where I'm from and I, and, I, and I love everyone there, but it's like, it is, it's literally behind the times. It's kind of like a black hole from all that, that is out there in the world, right? And in, in the 21st century. And I, I felt kind of the same way when I was like looking at properties and in, in, in not just Southwest Michigan, because we we're also looking in the UP and all that, but it was that, you know, things that we had learned in other markets, like the Smokies and, and, and the Florida Gulf Coast, you know, people they have, you got kind of have, have nice taste to, to really stand out. And, you know, granted the Smokies, there are some, some mom and pop cabins. We have one now that we're, we're trying to look for an equity partner on to, to, to put a new face on it and, and kind of freshen it up. Cause I think you need to stay competitive nowadays in that market. But yeah, we, that was one of the first things we noticed. My wife's got an eye for stuff like that. And that's her first turnoff. She doesn't see the potential in it, you know, cause it's like, yeah. if it's ugly, it's like, she kind of writes it off and, and I'm trying to alter her mindset because she's so talented from a design perspective. I'm like, no, no, no. Think blank canvas. Think of yeah. what is possible. See the opportunity. Yeah. So you, you mentioned earlier that you, the, the smoky mark, the smoky mountains market was more hands-on. What does that look like? What do you do to compete there and to get, you know, to get noticed in that type of level of competition? Man, it's, it's tough. I, I think that the biggest thing, is when you're listening on you're listening on the OTAs and you're relying so heavily on there because we're not doing marketing outside of that, <clears throat> so we rely very heavily on Airbnb and, and VRBO. But it's your listing photos. I mean, how you things got set up. That's the that's the first thing people see, and so just making sure those those are good out the gate. And then you know, there's a lot of uh, of talk and and you know you know pe people want to know how these algorithms work for for ranking, right? And and so, you know, moving pictures around, changing listing titles, just having activity on there, I, I think may or may not help, but that's something that, you know, I really wasn't spending a lot of time doing uh, before, but I'm a little more, I, I'm still leery of, of the impacts of that. You know, you have Rank Breeze and what is the other one, Telehost, there's a couple, a couple of them out there that will help with your rankings. And there's some, some, some thoughts out there that, that you know, some, some management of your, your profiles will, will help with that. So, so aside from pictures, there's that. And then really just getting the review base up. I think people like to see reviews. They like to see quantity of reviews and high ratings. And what I found, I'm by no means an expert, but in the last three years, I've, I've really found that like one of the easiest things to do, and I tell this people all the time, people that, you know, have come to me and ask questions or ask help, 
you know, just industry questions in general. It's, it's just, it's engagement. It's like how fast you are to, to answer your questions, guests, your guest questions, and then how, how you come across on the platforms, right? I think that's it's the easiest thing to do is to just, you know, it's a hospitality business and you got to treat it like that. And, you know, I have, I have, you know, I'm in investor groups and there's, you know, people that don't do it and it's a, in stark contrast, you know, and when they're coming across, you can see the impacts of it in their reviews or, you know, the, the back and forths that they're having with their guests. And it's like, I think that that's like one of the easiest things to control and it, yeah. and it takes time. It, it's not something you can do like right out the gate. Yeah. Those are just a few things. I mean, I, we're really the first two or three years we got in this space, it wasn't, I'll say as competitive. So we were really just trying to scale. And, and now like move, moving forward, what we're focusing on is our operations, how to, how to improve, how to drive additional revenue, how to, you know, improve our rankings and how to kind of, you know, rise to the top as far as, you know, other listings go. Yeah. How, What's how, your, how often do you like ship those photos around? Is that quarterly or monthly or? Usually, I don't know, probably once every couple of weeks. I mean, I'll, I'll do it because I, I look at my pricing about once a week, sometimes more, sometimes less. I'll go in there. The closer the dates are, like, I'll, I'll go ahead and, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll add like a pricing discount and stuff. And Price Labs is really good for automating a lot of that. I really like their occupancy-based adjustments feature because you can dial that in and really just, you, you can leave that kind of hands off to where yeah, price labs adjust for for de- demand and, and this and that, and you can adjust the level of aggressiveness in that regard. But like occupancy based adjustments are good because I think if you wanted to set it and forget it, you could. So, but yeah, probably you know once once a week, once every two weeks. It's something that moving forward again, like in, improving operations. It's like we're, we're going to start looking at getting a VA here to start doing some of these tasks, so I can look at other aspects and of growing our portfolio and things like that and leaving some of the, the more day-to-day stuff I've been, I've been doing to a trained assistant. So, so what's your tech stack look like? So we use our, our top level PMS is owner res. Love it. It's funny. Cause you know, a lot of these investor groups, you get a lot of questions about which one's the best, you know, what, what do you recommend? And I'll always pop in there with owner res. I'm just a fanboy of it. Cause it's, it's so robust. I mean, I, if you're into threads, you know, I very rarely do you see and have I even personally experienced like any issues with it as far as syncing and yeah. keeping, keeping things up to date. So, I, and it's, it's not as sexy as like a hospitable or some of the other ones yeah. out there. But it's, it's funny that you say that we, so they do a 14 day free trial, right? We tried it out for 14 days and I'm like, man, just the user interface, right? It's just like, have they updated the design in like the last 10 years? You wouldn't think so, right? So we're like, ah, to heck with this. And we went somewhere else. And then that one had a lot of syncing issues. And yeah. so we're like, all right, everybody still swear, like everybody swears by owner res, especially in like a lot of the Facebook groups. So I'm like, all right, let's give it a, let's give it another shot, see how it goes. And you're right. I mean, it's super powerful. It has everything you need and definitely does a good job at it. And we haven't really had any issues, you know, on, on their end, but yeah, it, it has that outdated look. So you got to get past, you got to get past it. You're going to be driving like a 1976 Corvette, I guess, but it does have the powerful engine in it. 
Yeah, for sure. You know, the other gripe people typically will have about it is how difficult it is to set up. And, and, it, and it is, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's a little challenging, but you know, I, I think setting it up by yourself and kind of just going through the growing pains, it, it pays dividends kind of down the road, just like anything else, really. It's like, it's going to take some work up front, but in the long run, it, it, it'll, it'll pay off. So I love the reports in it. I love the multi-calendar presentation and it's, you know, they're, they're integrating everything and their brother into it. You know, yeah. every, every week there's like some demo or webinar for, you know, some other, you know, platform integration that they got going on. So, but it's, yeah. it's good. I mean, and they're really transparent. I think their training videos are good. Their, their, their help desk is good. It's, I don't know. I just really enjoy it. So. Awesome. And it sounds like you use price labs. What else are you using? Price labs. Really, that's it. Those two, those two do the bulk of the work. You know, I was using Hospitable for for auto reviews, but I've now folded that into to Owner Res. So now that they have native VRBO messaging, that that was the the run th- one thing that I really had Hospitable for was I hate, I really did not like going through the VRBO platform yeah. to message our guests, and and that's the other thing I learned is like Michigan's got quite a few uh, VRBO guests. I mean, I, probably 20 or 30%, 40% more than I've had in, 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 any, in any of the other markets we've ever been in. We used to be in Broken Bow too. So we operated in Broken Bow, you know, the Florida Gulf Coast and, and still the Smoky Mountains. So nowhere did I see as much traffic as I do now in, 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 in Michigan with VRBO. So, but yeah, those, th- those are the two, you know, workhorses for me right now. Are you using Rank Breeze or no? Not yet. No. I can't, I can't can't pull the trigger on it. I just, I've seen, you know, data analytics is such a huge part of everything we do now and every, you know, industry and, and line of business. And it's like, it's no different here. It's just, I, I don't know if it's, if it's, if it's worth it. And, you know, I, I think ultimately I, I, I should give it a go and we probably will at some point, but until I see some of the issues that are propagated out about it, and the inconsistencies I see with it, I'm, I'm probably going to hold off. It seems like they're, or, or until someone, you know, better comes along, you know, because there's always that too, so. Got it. How about a, a guest story? You got like a wild PG-13 like guest story out of the last three or four years that you've been hosting? Yeah. P- oh, man. So PG-13 in- wipes them all out, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah seriously. No, we've been pretty fortunate. I think, I think, that it's a good metric to you know for for new operators to kind of get a feel for how they're doing by the type of guests that they have and some of the horror stories. Like if you're having fairly consistent horror stories, something's not right. You're not yeah. doing something right. Something's not presented right, or something in your system is just not dialed in. So, you know, fortunately for us, we we've been we've had pretty good guests over the years, over 500 stays. Nothing really crazy. I did have a woman, she was probably in her 70s. She had booked our, our first cabin in Tennessee, which was in Where's Valley. And and the home itself was actually in the valley uh, on a two acre lot. And, you know, you know you're know driving up a fairly steep hill to get there and down a fairly steep hill to, to get into the into the community. And always recommend our guests to, to do it during the day if they can, right? If you're not comfortable driving in the mountains, don't do it at night. Well, she was supposed to come with her son 
just as kind of like a weekend getaway and her son bailed on her at the last moment for whatever reason. So we get a call at like eight or nine o'clock at night and I'm not one to turn my phone off and, and not, you know, answer guests. Again, it's like we're here to serve that service them. So that, that's the, I'm always available. And this particular guest, you know, she reached out and she couldn't find the place. You know, she got turned around. She drove past. It was a little difficult to get to, right? Something wrong with my system. But she's trying to get there. And so I'm like trying to help her while she's on the phone, which is probably not a good idea because it's dark as heck there. And the roads are about as narrow as, you know, my desk is. And she's out there trying to navigate. She's seven years old. I don't, I don't know. Uh, but, but she almost drove off the cliff. Like, like you know, there's a, a moment in time where she's like, she just squeals. And she's like, my back tire's off the road. Off the oh, road. no. I just, I just thought, this is, this is great. This is, you know, I, I got this woman on the phone with me. And she's going to die on the phone with me because she's going to drive off the cliff. And, and there are some steep parts, like definitely, I don't know if she would die, but she could certainly get ejected from her vehicle and she probably could also die. So it was, that was probably like one of, like one of the, 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 the worst stories that we had because she was just super frantic. So, so like, I felt like a, a 911 operator, right? Where I'm like, just trying to like keep her calm and this, that, and the other. And she had a four wheel drive truck. So she ended up actually getting out of it and, and making her way to the cabin, you know, once I, if she wasn't going to fall off the, the, the mountain, I thought she was going to have a heart attack. So it was just crazy. You know, that, that whole, whole scenario was crazy. But she ended up she ended up getting there, and she ended up really enjoying her stay by herself and, and left a fantastic review. So, in fact, I need to probably dig that up. That's the other thing about owner res. Yeah, I can pull in the old properties and, and actually look at some of the stats and stuff for it. But I'll just see I, got a good see. I got a good Gatlinburg one for you. So my cousin was there. They're, my family's from Alabama. They were there last, either a year or two in the winter ago, and they had a huge ice storm. And it was, the driveway was one of those where you have to go straight up the mountain into the, the place. So the driveway was sheet ice. Well, my cousin, the plumber, takes his, he had a sump pump or something in his truck. So he takes it, sticks it in the hot tub, drains the oh. hot tub on the driveway. They all quick get out while it's while it's thawed out and, and, and escape. But um, that, it gets pretty treacherous up there in the winter. Yeah, yeah. The last two winters we've had uh, quite a few issues. You know, we we were in my my family and I were in Europe uh, over the holidays this past year, and so one of my other partners on a, a property there had a had a pipe burst. You know, we had a lot of freezing temperatures, and and then there was some snow, so it was just kind of like a perfect storm. And it was right around Christmas, and he just had a heck of a time. He managed through it, which is good. It's all you know, it's building up you know calluses for, for for this line of work and he managed his way out of it so it was ended up being okay but yeah there's definitely it's not like michigan where you know people you have the resources to to deal with stuff like that it's, it's something as simple as plows or or salt you know it's just it kind of becomes a, a really chaotic environment out there and i don't know i i feel like if you're coming in this line of work or, or really anything any kind of business like you have to anticipate that at some point something bad's gonna happen. Like just mentally prepare for it, right? Like it's not the end of the world. It, you can kind of, you know, take incremental steps to get through it. You know, it doesn't it's just it. It's not that crazy. Even you know, this past two years ago now, we're going on two years. There were some fires out there, and 
in, in parts of some people lost their cabins. And I just read about one where they, they rebuilt this beautiful cabin and, and they have like crazy bookings because it's a much more modern and I think even bigger cabin than they originally bought. And it's just like, that's the kind of thing that you like to see. It's like, look, it's, it's it, you just, if you, you take this little snapshot in time, yeah, like I might have this woman drive off a cliff, you know, but yeah. if I just stay calm and maybe help her through it and see it through the end, you know, maybe, maybe it'll, it'll, it'll end up all right. And most times they do, you know, I remember you guys probably do too, like the very first guest I had, I think we had an internet issue and it was just like, I remember my wife and I, we were going to a sushi place, like just up the road from here. And it felt like the worst like scenario, you know, you're just like, oh my gosh, I gotta, <laughs> what are you? Like, they have, don't have internet. Oh my gosh. And then now you just kind of like laugh at it, you know, like yeah. I'll address it in the same way, just a lot more calmly. Right. And, and just like, oh, okay. The, the absolute worst, I'm going to get like a four star review because they're super persnickety and there's nothing I can do. Like if I can't get someone out ASAP, I mean, I'll try everything I can to do that. But if I can't do it, I can't do it. I have no control over that. So someday we'll have to publish our text thread from our first like two or three weeks managing together between Tony and I, myself and our wives. It was it was a train wreck. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey Brandon, we appreciate you coming on the pod today and sharing kind of your your journey in the short term rental market. If anybody wanted to reach out to you, what's the best way for someone to get into contact with you? We'll make sure we list your Airbnb profile, if you don't mind, show notes, and then they can check out your properties and see what we're talking about. But if anybody wanted to reach out to you personally, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, so I don't have a huge social media presence, but 541 Vacation Rentals is how you can find us on Instagram. My wife is starting to to put more content up on there. So that's great. And then just my email, you can reach out to me at 541vacationrentals at gmail.com. And then, yeah, we're always looking to, we're looking at scaling now and, and partnering, you know, kind of the next phase, maybe even development that, you know, we've, I've been picking the brains of some folks in, in that realm too. So and I look forward to catching up with you guys. You guys like to hear more about your story. seems like you got a lot of neat things going on. So I appreciate awesome. you having me. We'll definitely have to do that. All right. Till next time. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thanks for checking out today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you get a chance, please go over to your podcast player of choice. Leave us a review. We appreciate those that have already taken the time to do so. It just helps us get discovered by more people in that platform. And if you're not on the email list yet, go over to michigan-shorttermrentals.com. Get on the email list. You're going to see it right there on the homepage, and you're going to get four very valuable emails. One's going to be a list of 650 zip codes where we've already analyzed a address and have projected revenue for that address. So you can kind of filter those and see which one has the best projections out of those 650 zip codes. And then you're going to get a furnishing calculator. So you'll get a number or how much does it cost to furnish a four bed, two bath with a hot tub and a ping pong table. And you can use that to really project out your return on investment there. And then also a property grading tool. So you're gonna be able to plug in some information like yard size, number of neighbors, amenities, the cost of the property and the projected revenue. And it's gonna kick you out a letter grade. So our properties are letter grade B. So if it's B or an A, it could be a good property to pick up. If it's less than that, you might really wanna think about, is it gonna be a good property? 
And make sure you connect with Jordan Painter and Tony Stancato on LinkedIn. Send us a connection request there and we'll make sure we accept it. And we'll talk to you later.